Welcome to the Beers and Bible Podcast, a podcast that explores God's Word while enjoying the fruits of God's creation. You can find us on Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore, on Facebook by searching Beers and Bible Podcast, and on Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. You can also email us at Beers and Bible Podcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible, please consider leaving a five-star rating and a review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast. Billy Currington summed it up well when he said, God is great, beer is good, and people are crazy. So let us join our hosts, Michael and Anthony, for this week's discussion. Welcome to episode number 88 of the Beers and Bible podcast. I am Michael. And I am Anthony, and... It's good to be here. It's good to have some beer to drink. Mm-hmm. It's good to have some Bible to discuss. Mm-hmm. It's good to hang out with Michael for a little bit. Uh, likewise, back to Anthony. <laughs> I wasn't. Gonna, I wasn't going to agree a hundred percent with that one because I can't exactly <laughs> just hang out with myself. So, <laughs> so it is the fifth of July, and and uh, we're recording this episode. It'll, I think this will end up coming out like towards the end of end of July or something like that. But uh, did you have a good fourth? We did. Um, I didn't blow anything up like I thought I was going to, but um, we uh, just kind of hung out, went to church yesterday, and um, went over and hung out with my parents and my brothers and their wives and the one brother with the kid. They, everyone was there. Um, that, and that doesn't happen much, which is weird because we all live like mm-hmm. within an hour or so of, of home. So <laughs> uh, it was good. We had a good time. Dad you know, grilled out some stuff, and we... Just hung out, and the neighbor shot off fireworks, which my son was not excited about at all. So um, he ended up in my lap uh, asleep with, uh, like, soundproof headphones on. <laughs> um, and uh, I mean, that was just that was just the, the way it is. He doesn't like loud noises. Yeah. Which is pretty typical for a three-year-old, so... But we had a yep. good, we had a good time and a relaxing day today, and uh, ready to record record tonight and get ready for another week. How about you, man? We had a well, I say we I had a good fourth. Uh, my family is out visiting their family, uh, actually like an hour and a half from you guys, um, and I have been home alone. My so this is this is my wife before she leaves. She's like, all right, I went to the grocery store. There's like three frozen pizzas, uh, a box of corn dogs, and two, like, you could stick them in the oven and just cook them meals. So that should be enough to get you by for a week. And I was like, all right, sweet, thanks. Totally got me by for a week. (laughs) (laughs) Did you never learn how to cook? Like, I don't understand. (laughs) No. Well, I've cooked a few things. Uh, The things that I'm good at cooking are typically done over fire. And (laughs) that's, that's about the extent of my cooking ability. So... If I cooked for myself for a week, our our grocery bill would be like $400 just for me. Because I'd be like, oh, we're going to have ribeyes tonight and tomorrow night and the night after that. <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that, though. No, but uh, but I had a I had a good relaxing fourth. You know, this this weekend since the family's been out, I've all I've done is play golf all weekend long. And so that's been fun. Also, nothing wrong with that either. No, no, no. But uh, but yeah, we're we're winding it down. I think they're coming home tomorrow, and we're getting ready for. Uh, I think they are. I'm not sure if they you are don't or not. Know. 
they'll come home when they want to come home. <laughs> they show up and you're like, oh, that's today? Okay. <laughs> oh, welcome back, family of mine. <laughs> Glad y'all could come back to this house. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. So, But yeah, fourth fourth weekend and uh, having a good time. This this is not our typical Thursday night recording. We're doing this on a, on a Monday night. But uh yeah, we're trying to get, we're, try, we're trying to stay ahead. Um, yeah. As much as we can knowing inevitably there will be some some things that come up that we just Thursdays won't work. So That's when we, right. When we get an extra day to record, we take advantage of it. So That's right. Um Anthony, tonight what are you drinking? So I found uh I went to actually went to a different grocery store this time and they had a pretty decent selection. I saw a couple of things that I'd never seen before. Uh, and I found this guy the from Fat Bottom Brewing. And yes, the name reminded me of the Queen song, Fat Bottom Girls. Uh, this is the Ruby American Red Ale. And it is described as their flagship delicious red ale with a rich blend of specialty malts that have been carefully chosen by the brewmaster to ensure a robust flavor. Uh, so I'm hoping this is going to be, I'm, I always kind of like, I tend to like red, dark ales, uh, amber colored and things like that. The picture of it almost looks like a stout. Um, but it comes in at 5.1 ABV with 35 IBUs. So this, uh, this sounds like it'll be right in my wheelhouse. We're going to see, see if it turns out that good or not. All right. But, uh, what do you got for tonight? So tonight I also went, have found a, uh, different brewery. I have... Uh, found from the Southern Brewing Company in Athens, Georgia, the red and black uh, Berliner style sour ale. Um, it's a raspberry and blackberry uh, sour, um, four and a half mm. ABV, um, and I think Untapped had it listed at ten IBUs. Um, now, if you know anything about Athens, you know that the University of Georgia is there. Go dogs. Um, I did not get this because it's a University of Georgia thing. I can't stand UGA. Um, but Why is that, Michael? Why can't you stand UGA? Because my team wears orange and is from the north. Back off. Um, <laughs> we're not good, but that's okay. I Live and die, man. Live and die. So, um, Y'all were good at baseball this year. We are very good at baseball, and we're, we'll be good at football again one day, maybe. Um <laughs> So anyway, the red and black from Southern Brewing Company, um, raspberries and blackberries give it a beautiful red color, bright, tart, and mildly sweet with lots of fruit flavor. So um, I don't see any actual pictures of the beer itself. A lot of cans here. Oh, here's a picture. It's, I mean, it just kind of looks like a sour, mm -hmm. like a standard uh, dark red sour. So um, I'm interested to see what it's like. I went to a different store as well, just because I didn't have enough time to get to my regular store today. Um, mm -hmm. And I also wasn't sure if they would be open because it is the fifth. I would imagine they would be, but you never know. It's true. There were, like, we tried going out to eat after church yesterday, and, like, the Mexican place and the Japanese place were both closed. Hmm. Huh. And we were like, but it's... <laughs> American Independence Day. <laughs> Y'all aren't celebrating any independence. <laughs> what does this even mean? It, I don't know if that, I don't know. So anyway, um, yeah, so I've got the red and black. Anthony has the uh, ruby American red. And uh, well, let's get to drinking. Let's do it. Here we go. In three, two, one. Crack. Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. Oh, oh, we got a spewer. 
I thought I made a bigger mess than I did. It just kind of bubbled up on the can, so. Ah. Also, I jammed my left index finger, but I don't know how. And that's my can opening finger, so. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like you need, didn't you have that little tool that, like, cut the top of the can off? Yeah, I do. I've actually got a couple of different versions of that thing. It's really cool. Um, mm-hmm. But for for my this application, just pouring it into a glass, that'd be kind of pointless. So yeah, uh, that and you don't get the cool like whoosh sound. Yeah. So, but I mean, there's the color of that thing, dude. That's a that's a good little color. Mine is mine is actually a little more clear than I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. So, but this is this is shaping up to be a nice amber color. It smells. The smell of this one is really good, so so I'm kind of uh, kind of excited about the the ruby red here. Mine smells like fruit sour. You should that should be right up your alley too. Yeah, I I, I like the sours and I like fruit flavored sours especially. So, um. well, let's turn them up and see what happens. Bottoms up. Bottoms up. That is definitely rich in flavor. They were not wrong about that. I feel like I've had this one. Like this one tastes a lot like something I've had before. I'm trying to look back through what we've done because this one is is got the flavor of of something I feel like I've had before. Uh huh. This I thing can't quite pin it. This thing is sour. <laughs> Like incre- it's like the description says tart. It is. It'll make you pucker tart. <laughs> it's a legit sour, huh? It is. <laughs> Question is, will it be too sour for Michael? Why don't you go ahead and go? Okay, this one. Um, this is a good. Um, the flavors there, the textures there. There, there's kind of the end of it has a bitter note that I don't necessarily care for, but the the flavor and that's that's what I was trying to remember back to. There was some red that I have done. It may be it may have been the Apalachisaurus amber. No, it wasn't that one because that one was. I've done a red here sometime in the last ten to twelve episodes. Um, that it's just there. There's something about it. There's something like the end of it. I don't necessarily care for, but the flavor itself is actually pretty good. Could it it have been the rebellion red lager? It might've be that one. Yeah. I mean, that's been a while, but, but, but I gave the rebellion red five Luthers, didn't I? You did. See, this one's not a five Luther beer for me. Okay. What about Smithwick's red ale from? Ah, that might be it. Yes. That might be it. This is not a five. You gave that one four and a half. This one's not quite four and a half. So I'm going to come in and I'm going to give it four. Okay. It's got good flavor. The The end note on that bitter is, is kind of where I'm like, eh, it kind of loses me right there. Um, but other than that, it's a good beer. Um, it's smooth. It it would go well, you know, with just about anything that you're trying to do, eating dinner, cutting the grass, you know, any, it's a, I would label this as a multi-purpose beer. Mm. Um, 
you know, we kind of we give that. What will we do with it? Um, this could be this could fit into a lot of different scenarios. So so overall, it's a good beer. It's got good flavor. Um, I like it. I'm a I'm a fan of amber, so I, I kind of knew I was going to be on the on the high side with this one anyway. Um, the name of the brewery reminded me of the band Queen, so that was part of the reason I bought the beer. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, there we go. Four Luthers for the Ruby American Red Ale from Fat Bottom Brewing. How's that sour treating you? <laughs> okay, so I mean, it's very, very good. Um, the, I mean, the flavors are all there. It's very, like, very raspberry flavor with the mm-hmm. tart of blackberry as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, like, it's tart, but it's not um, difficult to get down. So it's very, still very smooth. Which is really like that's breaks my brain. Yeah. Thinking about how they make something sour easy to drink. Yeah. Um, and I don't I don't know how they do it. And if I knew, maybe it would explain a lot more for me. But <laughs> um but dude, this is again every bit of five Luthers. Nice. Um, and, and I think I have found out that maybe I just like sours. Like yeah. maybe because I've I'm looking back I've ranked the peanut butter and jelly sour five, mm-hmm. the lemonade sour I gave five. Um, what other sours have I done? You got the oh yeah that's it the PB and J sour. Yeah, let me just do this right here. Was it death by coconut? Wasn't that a sour? No, that was just a like a porter. So I've only done oh, three okay. sours, but I've only done three sours by that have sour like in yeah. The, and I've given off th- three of them five Luthers. So, yeah. Um, but this one's very good. The flavor's all there. Um, texture is, is very light. Um, this could be a grilling beer. This could be a out on the lake or out on the beach kind of beer. Just could be a, mm-hmm. just a hanging out, relaxing kind of thing. You could probably drink a few and be okay. I mean, it's only 4.5 ABV, I think. So, yeah. Um, it's pretty light, so, but it, it's good. And uh, Southern Brewing, I don't care for all your UGA references, but I do like your beer. So, well done. I'm dr- just so you know, I'm putting my glass on a Tennessee coaster. Oh, the coaster that has like Neyland Stadium, like the 3D print of Neyland Stadium. Like here, this. I th- I think the only thing that would be worse is if you nice. this coaster right here. Yeah, that's a nice coaster. Yeah. It it would only be worse if you were putting it on an Alabama coaster. So, um, I wouldn't do that because Alabama is the spawn of Satan. So, <laughs> technically, they're the spawn of Saban, but you know, whatever. Saban, yeah. Satan. Then it's all the same. From Tuscaloosa not long ago. So anyway, um, but yeah. So Bat Bottom Brewing getting four Luthers from Anthony on the Ruby American Red Ale. Southern Brewing Company getting five from me on the Red and Black Sour Ale. And uh, that's our beer review for the week. And now we are going to move into our discussion in First Peter. We're going to keep trucking right along here. We are moving into Chapter 4 tonight. So we are getting close to wrapping this thing up. And um, we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 6. So um, stick around and we'll be right back.
Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. We are diving into First Peter chapter four tonight. Um, it's been a fun study going through First Peter. This will be the second time I've gone through the book, and and I tell you what, man, this First Peter has really become one of my favorite books in really kind of in the New Testament because it's mm-hmm. so applicable for the church. Um, it's so applicable, and and honestly, tailing it on the study of Habakkuk, man, it really fits in with what Habakkuk was about. And so, um, yeah, here we are. We're coming into First Peter chapter four. We're going to look at verses one through six tonight. So, if you have your copy of God's Word, I would encourage you to get it. Maybe it's on your phone. Maybe it's on your desk. Um, but pick it up. And I'm going to start reading in chapter four, verses one through six. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking, for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. Hmm. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery. I love that word. Debauchery is such a good word. And they malign you. But they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel was preached, even to those who are dead, that enough that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. Mm. That is confusing and fun all at the same time. <laughs> there's there's little nuances of different translations that I love hearing. Mm-hmm. And you're reading from the ESV, right? Mm-hmm. So the HCSB um, says, um, equip yourselves also with the same resolve in verse 1. Yeah, and what what does yours say? Mine says the same way of thinking. It, it's just is I think yours said arm yourselves with the same way of arm thinking. Yourself, yeah, and I was like, that's so. It just it's very, not baffling, but very like eye opening to see different translations. Mm-hmm. You you know explain things in different ways, which again comes back to this idea that we've talked about where it is beneficial to you to not just read from one translation all the time because right. there'll be the way things are written in the ESV versus the HCSB or the NIV or the, or the NLT mm-hmm. um, what, or whatever is going to be just different enough to where it can give you different perspectives of things. Yes, yes. You know, one of the things that I, I – this is going to be a tangent here for a second, but one of the things that I did when I was in high school, we were part of a discipleship group – and the the leader of the discipleship group was our pastor, and he encouraged us to get this thing called the Amplified, uh, not the Amplified, where is it? Oh, it's called the Comparative Study Bible. It's right up here on my, my bookshelf. But what it had was it had four different translations side by side. Mm. And so you could actually read four different translations of the same verse, and it had the King James Version, it had the New International Version, um, and there was a couple of different versions that it had in there. But you could really see, because like the ESV is more of a, it, it's a little bit rougher at times, which you mm-hmm. probably could tell that tonight. Whereas yeah. the HCSB is a lot more smooth. It's it's more rounded off. It's kind of a, it's not going for that like word for word precision that the ESV is going for. Right. And so, 
Um, it's fun times, but but uh, for for tonight, this this chapter right here opens up what Peter has been laying out for the last two chapters. He's gonna kind of he's gonna really put the pen to paper. He's gonna put the rubber on the road for the next two chapters, mm-hmm. um, and he's gonna say this is what you are called to do um, as believers, as the church. Um, as as examples of Christ, this is what you should be representing to the world around you, and and here it is. And this verse six verses that he lays out, he lays out the idea that we are called to suffer. Um, as Christians, we are called to suffer. We've been developing this theology of suffering um, now for really this entire uh, book study, um, and Peter shifts from. Christ's atoning work, he kind of left Christ's atoning work last week as the the ending of that argument and then kind of rolling into this new argument where he's putting the rubber on the road and he's saying, you've got to get this mindset, you've got to be ready to suffer because it's coming, and when it comes, it's going to be harsh, and, mm. and, and you have to be prepared for it. Yeah. So... That's that's where we are tonight, and and what Peter's going to do. I'll just give you. I'm going to give you a quick rundown of where we're going to go tonight. So Peter is going to give us three specific ways that that Christians need to be prepared, and then he's going to give us two costs that are going to be associated with those three specific ways. Okay, mm-hmm. so we're going to talk through these tonight, and and we're going to walk through these verses and see what Peter gives us. Um, and Michael, what is the very first thing that Peter? tells us, tells Christians that we need to do to be prepared. Arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. <laughs> that was good reading from the yeah, notes. <laughs> that was good. No, um, so yeah, it, we're, we're, and Peter's telling us that this is how we are committing to the gospel. We're committing yeah. to what following Jesus looks like. So, so arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. Um, the Christian, the Christian who is prepared to suffer, is one who has resolved that they will honor Christ in everything they say and do. Um, mm-hmm. If we look to Christ as our example, he um, lived a sinless life. He um, ministered to people. He hung out with sinners and overturned tables in his father's house and uh, challenged the religious elite, religious elite and ultimately died a death he did not deserve uh-huh. and all the while was saying you know that if you know this is god's will and this is this is i'm doing the will of the father and if we're going to say that jesus is our example we have to understand that sometimes there's going to be suffering um and and the the best way to honor jesus is not like not be a floor, not be a doormat for people to walk all over you, or or to mm-hmm. not 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 to be like this weak little person. But when you encounter suffering, when you encounter trials, when you encounter whatever it is, saying I'm prepared for this because I'm emulating Christ in all that I do, and yeah. in, in everything I say and do, I'm doing my best to honor Him. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's important because we've talked a lot about this theology of suffering and, and developed suffering, and, and I think it's important to kind of make this this caveat, I guess you would call it. Um, but part of the theology of suffering is not that you just kind of roll over and, and waller in your woe is me, kind of like a self-pity type of thing. That's, that's not 
what a theology of suffering is. A theology mm-hmm. of suffering says when you do the right thing, when you do what Scripture has commanded you to do and the world comes against you, you say, okay, world, you give me your best. It's okay because I know where my contentment is. I know where my my eternal security is. I know where... Uh, there's nothing that you can take away from me that's going to change the way that I feel, or not the way that the way that I know Scripture has taught me mm-hmm. to to believe. Yeah, and 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 I may have made this comparison before, but it's kind of like that person that when you're like you're talking to somebody and you're trying to convince them of something, they're just sitting there going, mm-hmm, "Yep, mm-hmm, okay, all right, sure, yep, mm-hmm." Like it's you know you're sitting there talking, and you're like, "I am not changing this person's mind at all." Like mm-hmm. they're they're fixed, they're confident in what they believe, and it doesn't matter what I say, I'm not going to convince them. Right. And and that's that's more along the the attitude of a theology of suffering is is a confidence in what God has promised and being willing to take the the persecution that that will come eventually, it's it's going to come um in order to to see that see your sanctification through. And so I, I hope that kind of clarifies a little bit about what we're talking about because w- the next couple of weeks we're really going to get heavy into this idea of the theology of suffering. Um, and so we arm ourselves with the, with a certain way of thinking, and I love the end. Of, I, I want to hear what the end of verse 1 says for you because in the ESV it says you arm yourselves in the same way of thinking, for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. What does it say in the HCSB? It says, uh, equip yourselves also with the same resolve because the one who suffered in the flesh has finished with sin. Okay. So there is uh, a group of, of Christians who believe that after you come into, uh, you have confessed Christ as your Lord and Savior, that you can be perfect that you can never sin anymore, and they use this verse as one of those verses to say mm-hmm. that you can do that. Yeah, And I think it's important to, to, to caveat here, or not really caveat, to explain what Peter's talking about. He's not talking about being perfect. I mean, Lord knows Peter was not perfect. I mean, this is the dude that spent three years with Jesus, walked on water, and then uh, when it came down to the crucifixion, he denied Jesus three times. And so... <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, I, this, this is the same guy. Um, and so, um, but what, what Peter is saying here is that your mindset changes. And again, if you go back to where he denied Peter three times or not denied Peter, when he denied Christ three times, it says at the third time, the, the rooster crowed and he knew exactly what he had done. He, his mindset had changed because mm-hmm. he recognized his sin. Right. And and it's not that you are perfect and you don't ever sin again and you don't make mistakes, but it's that your mindset has changed to the point where you recognize your sin and you don't want to do that anymore. So it's a constant leading you to repentance. Yeah. It's it's more about like uh not like wiping like not like wiping your hands of sin, but like you're no longer pursuing it the way you yeah. had you should no longer be pursuing it the way you had before you came to know Jesus. <laughs> um, but it's, it's kind of this idea is like, it, it's more of a, I don't know, like you're living for Jesus 
but your flesh still gets in the way. Mm-hmm. I'm having a hard time explaining it. It's the process we call sanctification. Yeah. I mean, that that's what we call it, and it's, a, it's the process by which you continually grow and you are continually discipled and you learn more. I mean... Theology and and the Bible is is an amazing metaphor for life because it's so deep that you'll never get to the bottom, yet it's so shallow that that the newest believer will never drown. Right. And so so the the promises of God and and the the study of God is not something that somebody could fall into and just be like, oh my gosh, I'm I'm never going to get this. There may be some things that you think about. That that may may do that to you, but God God will always sustain His word, and God will always sustain His people. Mm-hmm. And so so it's a it's a mindset change. It is a switch from you were you still are totally depraved, but now you are totally depraved with the assurance of grace and mercy in your life mm-hmm. that has come through the person and work of Jesus Christ. You're you're covered in grace yet totally depraved. Yes, I think Matt Marr has a good record called "Sinners and Saints," and that's probably the best description that you can put to it. Mm-hmm. You are a sinner and you are also a saint because of the work that God has done, the work that Christ has done for yeah. you to reconcile you back to God. Yeah, our sainthood is nothing to do with us. Exactly. Exactly. And so Peter, he's going to keep going. Let's just keep riding on through this thing here. Peter is saying that they're going to suffer because they have ceased from sinning. And then he goes into the the next little section where he says, we live no longer for human passions. Mm-hmm. And and then he lists out this, this list of human passions, um, which is pretty extensive when you when you look at it. And it covers just about anything that you would want to cover. Um, I mean, he even, he even says that you're, you're not going to have drinking parties. Now, I, I don't know if I've ever been to a drinking party or not. Um, I definitely don't have an, an issue with enjoying a party and having a drink. I don't know if those qualify as drinking parties or not, especially on the 4th of July weekend. You know, we're, we're coming off a weekend where, where there's a lot of people who are having probably drinking parties, but, um, you do these things, and 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 is is this? I'll ask the question: Is this an argument against the use of alcohol? Should you go to a place where they're drinking alcohol and not consume alcohol? Do you think that's what Peter is talking about when he's talking about this stuff right here? I don't think Scripture can contradict itself. That's true, and I don't think that if Peter was saying you shouldn't drink. Like, if Peter's saying that, then it should be more clear elsewhere yes. not to drink as well. Yes. So I don't I don't think that's what Peter's saying here. I think Peter is saying, like, don't get carried away. I mean, he mm-hmm. kind of, he puts drunkenness and carousing in his list here. So, like. Yes, he does. So I, I would, I would almost argue, like, carousing or drinking parties, whatever your translation says. I don't know. It, it's. I don't think he's saying don't drink. Obviously, no. Um, maybe he's more saying like don't partake in 
don't be present at. I don't, man, I don't know. That's really, that's, <laughs> my brain is not working right there. Um, well, it's a, it's a hard list to work through because it, it lists so many, I mean, he lists drunkenness and then he also lists drinking parties, mm-hmm. um, which would be, I, th- I think in the CSB or HCSB, it says carousing. Carousing, yeah. Um, and then, and then mine, it says, um, or it says lawless idolatry. Um, which I think both of ours say. Mm-hmm. And yep. so so the I th- I think the point of Peter's kind of diatribe right here is he's saying you don't want to get into situations where there's going to be this unrestrained behavior. Okay. Um now is going to a backyard barbecue, a family backyard barbecue where a couple of guys are having some drinks and the wives are having some, you know, chick beers or whatever it is that they drink. And it's just a good family time. No, I I don't think that's included in this one. If you're going to somewhere where they're like, all right, uh, everybody's doing 72 shots. Let's go. Uh, Maybe you should stay away from that kind of a situation. Mm-hmm. I realize that's like the polar opposite of yeah. of like, but but I, I did that on purpose to say, you know, I think he's giving us a very clear thing that that excessive is kind of what we're staying away from here because mm-hmm. um, okay. the the yeah. things that he lists here, drunkenness, uh, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. That's I mean. You think about the things that end up happening at at places and situations where those four things are going to be happening. Um, you end up with a completely different scenario than than you know even four or five friends getting together and and drinking a few beers and sitting on the back back porch and relaxing and and, and having a good time or or whatever it is yeah. you know just they're not being excessive in their behavior. Yeah, he. I guess he's pointing out more along the lines of like, know your limits, and mm-hmm. don't put yourself in situations where your limits are going to be, where you're going to toe the line. Exactly. Know? Exactly. Um, and so he's saying, make sure you know where you need to, you know, where your stopping point is. Yeah. And and it's also um, worth mentioning that in this in this culture in this time. This was a very excessive and decadent culture that they were living in in this day. Yeah. Um, you know, that that type of decadence and that type of excessiveness is really not on display in our culture. And that's kind of why we, we have a hard time grasping what he's talking about here. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, we don't, we don't get invitations to orgies. These, I mean, at least I haven't. No, I don't. <laughs> I was like, I'm pretty sure Michael's never been invited to. No, um, but you know, I, I've never been invited to to come to a place where everybody is there for the express uh, intention of just getting slap face drunk. You know that, and and so I. But in that day, that would have been a normal thing. I mean this this is this is first first century paganism right, right here is mm-hmm. what this is right, and so. Um, what Peter is telling them is, hey, this is where you've been, and you're coming out of that. You need to put that stuff behind you. You need to be done with that. You need to be finished with it, and you need to put it aside. And 
when you do those things, you're going to get to the second thing, or I'm sorry, the third thing that Peter tells us to do, which is to live for the will of God. Mm-hmm. Right? And so there are there are three things that we're going to that we're going to highlight here to know what the will of God is. You know, every, everybody the the big question for Christians is what is the will of God? So we want to give you just three things real mm-hmm. quick about how you can know what the will of God. Mm-hmm. Take us through those real quick, Mike. Yeah, sure. Uh so the will of God, yeah, you can find it in um the New Testament. And um, there are three verses that um, specifically talk about the what the will of God is. I actually use the phrasing for this is the will of God. Um, the first one is in, found in First Peter chapter two, verse fifteen. Uh, for this is the will of God that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. First um, Thessalonians four three through five. Um, Paul wrote, "For this is the will of God, your sanctification." that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion um, passion of those like the Gentiles who do not know God. I think that is a, I think I mistyped there, but... I, pro- I probably messed something up. <laughs> it's fine. Um, we get the point. And then First Thessalonians five seventeen through 18 uh, says, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God. So in all of these, it's pointing out kind of different different uh, things for us to be doing to uh-huh. be in the will of God or to uh-huh. be pursuing after the will of God. Um, but And there are all things I think we all know, but they're not things that are so easy to put into practice all the time. They're not, and uh, a lot of times people think um, that the will of God is this magical thing that's going to come down and be like, you need to go to the grocery store today because that is my will, you know? And, and the, the reality is that the will of God is for us to do these things that, that we just listed, mm-hmm. you know, if you're doing those things, then chances are you're hearing from God on a daily basis and you're living your life in accordance with someone who would be living the will of God. Mm-hmm. You know, the will of God is not uh, always as easy as, well, you need to move to this town. Now, through your studies and through your prayer time and through your um, interactions with people, things might happen and you go, man, I, I really believe this is God's will for us because of X, Y, and Z. And, mm-hmm. and you're going to have those confirmations that, that we just put out here um on on uh from scripture you know we've talked about first peter 2:15 already if you're doing good you're going to put to silence the ignorance of foolish people you know that there's going to be people who are not going to be around you because you're doing the will of god mm-hmm. that's an okay thing yeah you know um and then you're going to constantly live in a state of sanctification you're going to constantly be be growing closer and closer to God and and that is going to lead you to make certain decisions because of your sanctification process. Yeah. And then in all things if you are seeking God, if you're praying and giving thanks in all of all circumstances, you're living out the will of God. So whatever happens to you, if you if you 
lose your job. You're praying and giving thanks in all circumstances. Okay, you're still living in the will of God. And, and you know, I've heard people, well, well this can't be God's will for my life. Well, clearly it is. Right. So, <laughs> yeah, I think, I think we get caught up so much in what is God's will for my life when... Like, because I think there's so much pressure to for people to either find their careers or their, um, spouses. their spouses or <laughs> whatever it may be. And God's will for your life is exactly where you are right now. Yeah. Like that, wherever you are, if you're single or married or employed or unemployed or um, whatever it is, you're exactly where God wants you to be right this second. That's right. And so accepting that where you are is where God wants you to be and that that is part of his plan for you and your life, you know, you may feel like there's something else for you out there. Mm -hmm. If it's God's will, then great. And if it's not, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, you know, God God's plans for us are greater than we could ever imagine or fathom yeah. until we get yeah to the next thing yeah god's god's will should not be a paralyzing type of i don't know what decision to make mm -hmm. thing in your life but god's will should always be a i'm going to pray i'm going to read scripture i'm going to search out what what this what god is trying to teach me in this situation that i'm in yeah because that situation is going to lead you to the next situation and it's going to lead you to the next situation and and God is going to teach you something in each one of those situations. Yeah. What how different would Christians as a whole look if we lived these three verses out? You know, it what if we did good to put put to silence the ignorance of foolish people? What if we what if we prayed without ceasing giving thanks in all circumstances? What yeah. if we strived for our sanctification? Um, and actually did the things that led to our sanctification. Like, how different would the church look, and how more effective could we be? And talked about it before, a lot of the things we're saying here, I need to hear, and Anthony needs to hear. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, so it's, it's, not a, <laughs> it's not a wagging our finger, y'all need to do this kind of thing. It's a more like wagging a finger, looking in the mirror, like, Michael, you need to do this. Yeah. So... How, but but seriously, how different could, would the church look if we actually lived out these? You know, if we say we believe scripture, yeah, and we, I, I think anyway. it would look a whole lot different than it does right now. That's for sure. Yeah, you know, um, I think I think that we would have people who are more concerned with reaching their reaching their neighbors and living consistently before a watching world, regardless mm -hmm. of what that means politically, regardless of what that means financially, um, regardless of what that means as far as the world defines power mm -hmm. and authority. Yeah. Um, I think it would look a whole lot different, you know, and, and it, it reminds me of a story, um, from a missionary in Iran, the, the, I can't say I talked to the person directly, but this was coming from a friend, uh, a very trusted friend who does work with these these types of people directly. A lot of these people, missionaries in Iran, they they have fake names. Like nobody knows who they are. Nobody knows where they are. 
they're just in Iran working for uh, these different missionary services. And anyway, long story short, this guy was telling us a story about a person in Iran, and, and he said, you know, he was talking back and forth, and he's like, well, man, how can we pray for you? How can we pray for for people like you missionaries in Iran? He says, man, um, I, I wish that y'all would pray for the American church to wake up. And he said it kind of like, he's like, it caught him off guard because mm-hmm. he was like, hang on a second. I mean, you're in one of the hotbeds of, of Christian persecution, you know, safety, family safety. Like there, there's a hundred things that he could list ahead of pray for the American church to wake up. And he was like, he said he went back to him and he was like, man, why, why did you ask me to pray for that? And he said... He said, because if the American church ever woke up and realized its potential, the world could not stop it. Mm. And I was like, well, okay then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, but we're but we're sitting over here bickering and fighting amongst ourselves rather than doing these three things that are living out the will of God explicitly laid out in Scripture— you know, we, we'd rather pick fights about our first world problems amongst ourselves. Yeah. So, and anyway, that that may have been a little bit of a rabbit trail there, but but uh, you know, it's 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 done as an encouragement for you to say, hey, reassess what you think the will of God is for your life, mm-hmm. because it may not be should I or should I not take this job, but it may be, hey, how can I spend more time in God's Word, and how can I work on my sanctification? And how can I continually give thanks in all circumstances? Yeah. Um, mm. So there you go. So Peter, he's given us these three things um, that the church should be doing um, that are necessarily going to cause us to suffer. And then he gives us in the last half of these these couple of verses, he's going to give us two costs associated with these. And the very first one right off the bat is you will be rejected. Um, and when you are rejected, you should not act surprised, um, because Peter's already said it's going to happen. Yeah. You know, this comes from, I think it's in, where's it at? Let me get here. Um, verse four picks up in verse four with respect to this. He's talking about, um, don't act like the pagan world around you with respect to this. Uh, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery and they will malign you. So, in verse 4, he is saying, when you don't act like the world around the world, guess mm-hmm. what? They're going to they're gonna come at you. That's yeah. what they're going to do because that's their natural response. Mm-hmm. Because the, the, the thing is, pigs wallowing in mud want more pigs to waller in mud with them. And if somebody's not wallowing in the mud with them, then, then they want to point the finger at that person. Right. And say, and... and I think we can see that happening in our culture today. We we've started to see that, and it's an encouraging tone for the church. You know, we we just bash the church for a few minutes. I want to say there there are some encouraging things. People are standing up for the what Scripture says. People are standing up for the way that that Christians should be standing up for it, and with love and gentleness, we should be doing this. Mm-hmm. But. When you do the things that Scripture has called you to do, when you're doing the things that we just talked about being in the will of God, guess what? The world is not going to like it because it's going to expose them in the debauchery that they're in. Yeah, when when and, you have when you have a uh, 
when you don't have an authority for your worldview or if your mm-hmm. authority is misplaced, then when anything challenges your worldview and points out the if it's debaucherous or um, impure or whatever it is, mm-hmm. um, that that's why that's why Christians get challenged so much and get slandered or rejected or made yeah. fun of like or whatever it may be. And so we, you know, but Peter said it's going to happen. So yeah, um, we shouldn't be surprised when it does. No, no, we shouldn't at all. And you know, you know, it's interesting, and you can you can actually see a lot of this happening um, in our culture right now. Um, in a in psychology, in the world of psychology, there's this term that's called projection. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's when you when you basically try to call somebody something that you actually are. And and I, I think the biggest form of projection that I can point out in today's culture and in today's society is critical race theory, um, also known as CRT. Mm-hmm. Um, because CRT literally says, it literally teaches that we should divide people amongst the color of their skin, uh, talking specifically about critical race theory, the color of their skin, you, you, there's a whole bunch of critical theories. You know, you can interject any middle word that you want there, but mm-hmm. you know, it, and, and if you don't divide people among this, this, uh, division of race, basically, then you're a racist. Hang on a second. <laughs> that right. sounds awful lot like these guys who wore white hoods back in the 1920s and 1930s. Right. You know, who said that people should be, um, um, it's literally segregation all over again. And segregation, we know, was born out of racism. And, and it's, a, it's a scourge on the American history. But now you're talking about doing the same thing and somehow you're the noble one for doing the exact same thing that these people were condemned for 50, not even 50 years ago. Right. And, and so, I mean, if there was ever a form, if there was ever an, a, a perfect example of projection in today's society. I, I think that's that's probably the ones. But again, you see that happening to Christians. You know, what are we called other than patriarchal, misogynist, sexist? You know, we're called all of these things because we don't align perfectly with what the world says we should align with. Right. And so they're making us these things. Yeah. But why would we align with what the world says we should align with where our authority is not found in the world. So it's not, it's the, not in the same is, I mean, we've talked about it before, but it's the same way that Christians shouldn't be surprised when lost people act lost. Yeah. Like <laughs> lost people shouldn't be surprised when Christian people act Christian. Yeah. Or believe Christian or claim, you know, say that the Bible is their authority and actually mm-hmm. live that. Like when, when yeah. Christians actually live like the Bible is their authority, that's when the world I think is like, Hold on, wait a second. How do we respond to this? Yeah, because this and that's not the norm. No, and the only thing they know how to do is to malign us, which is exactly what Peter says is going yeah. to happen here. It's mm-hmm. Almost like Peter knew what he was talking about when he wrote scripture. It's crazy, crazy how scripture well, will do that. He, he was <laughs> inspired by the Holy Spirit, so yes, he had a helper anyway. So, so we're going to be rejected, and then and then right along in in line with that, what what else are we going to be? 
So we're going to be slandered is what um, my version says. Does it just say slander as well? Or yes. maligned? Uh, my, mine says maligned, but in my notes I put slandered. Yeah, uh, the HDSB says slandered. Um, there's a quote from Wayne Grudem. Um, we've quoted him several times in this study in First Peter. Um, and he said that um, no doubt because silent non-participation in sin often implies condemnation of that sin. And rather than change their ways, unbelievers will slander those who have pained their consciousness, consciousness, consciences, there it is, or justify their own immorality by spreading rumors that the quote unquote righteous Christians are immoral as well. Uh Um, Again, it's very, it's very much that continuation of the projection that you were just talking Mm -hmm. about, but you know, people, you know, when you don't partake or when you say, I'm not going to do that because of X, Y, and Z, the lost people around you are going to, they may start spreading rumors about you yeah, or start saying, you know, Oh, they're really not like that. They just are putting on a show or whatever. Anything less than wholesale endorsement Mm. always ends up leading to somebody calling you, you know, something enter, enter your term, whatever you want to enter right there. Yeah. And does that have to, does that have more to do with like, if the Christian accepts it, it's okay. Like, is that like, is that the thought process of people that are like yeah. hoping for endorsement or is it like they just want somebody to endorse them? Is it almost, yeah. it's almost, it's almost like they know deep down there's something shady about what they're doing. Well, I mean, even if they don't believe there's something shady about what they're doing right now, um, they, they will be exposed at the judgment. Right. And so, and and as Christians, I mean that's that's what we have to hold on to is that, you know, um, what we do is bound by the words of Scripture, and is going to lead to eternal life. Right. And so that is what we hold to. And and I I think even when you find in in mainline Protestant, what we would define as liberal churches today, that are just you know buying into this this revolution that's coming from society is they're doing it for the applause and the um they they want to be i guess the words now are they want to be seen on the uh, on the right side of history Mm. and and the reality of it is in the in the eternal history you're going to be on the way wrong side of history and but you're not going to find out until it's too late, mm-hmm. you know, because you've abandoned the scripture, which is supposed to be your authority for determining what the right side of history is. Right. Because guess what? The right side of history is not the the sexual revolution or the moral revolution or progressivism. They don't get to define what the right side of history is. They may think they can, and they they may think that they can claim that right now. And maybe they can for a few years, but guess what? In eternal history, it's going to come out, and I, I feel sorry for you mm. if you're if you're in that boat. I I feel I legitimately feel sorry for you because you have been duped by Satan. You have been duped by the deceiver, and and because you didn't base what you have to say on scripture, and. That's that. I mean, that's just, that's where I leave that because 
I'm sorry. That's what it is. Mm. So, I don't know. That That's not a very encouraging word for us, um, knowing that these times are coming. Um, but we also know that we we have nothing to fear. Because we who are in Christ, we are a new creation, and our hope and our contentment is not found here. Our hope and our contentment is not found in the world. Um, our applause don't come from anybody on the on the earth. Everything that we live for, we live for in Christ. Yep. And and let that let that be an encouragement to you, Christian believer, um, because. Uh, Nothing else from from tonight's passage is really that encouraging other than to say you you better be ready to suffer because it's coming. Yeah. So mm. there you go. There's uh there's the the first few verses of 1 Peter 4. It's going to get a little bit better from here, I promise. Um uh ver- chapter 5 is fun. It's it's a whole lot of fun cuz it just talks about people in the church. <laughs> But, Michael, if they want to find us on social media places, where would they find us? You can find us on Instagram at beers and Bible underscore. You can find us on Twitter at beers and Bible P1. You can find us on Facebook by searching Beers and Bible Podcast. And then you can also email us at beers and Bible Podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Um, give us a like on any of those platforms, and um, we'd love to interact with you. Um, any questions you have about anything we were talking about or any beer suggestions that you would like for us to try to get our hands on and review here on the podcast, we would love to love to do that. So until next week, keep your beers cold, keep your Bibles open, and we will see you later. Peace out.